Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. This morning, I want to talk to us at the, this will be kind of part one of a series scaling into kind of covering the breadth of the gospel as it particularly comes to salvation. We have this idea that of original sin, and this is kind of where we pick up the story of why we need to be saved. But can I rewind the tape a little bit and say that it wasn't original sin, it was original goodness and how God created things. And so we want to go from creation to the fall of man and how we went into sin and kind of go on that storyboard. Alyssa and I, it was probably last year, maybe a year and a half ago, we got into this show that was called Survivor. Uh, No, Designated Survivor. Anybody seen this? Designated Survivor show. And the Designated Survivor has Kiefer Sutherland in it. I first got to know Kiefer when he was ace on Stand By Me, and he had that really cool haircut. And he becomes this man, Thomas Kirkman, okay? So he is the official over housing and urban development. And so it's the It's the State of the Union Address, and they have to have one government official that sits out during that meeting that's called the Designated Survivor in case there's an attack upon our Congress and all of them are wiped out, right? And so he happens to be the guy picked to sit out of this meeting in case there is this bomb that goes off. Guess what happens? There's this bomb that goes off, and everyone at the State of the Union now is dead, and here he goes, he runs to his window, and he looks out over, and he sees this picture of this bomb that goes off, and here is the devastation, and now he goes from being the leader of housing and urban development now to being the president of the United States in a moment. Can you imagine? There's some things in life that happen quickly and changes, but I don't know that anybody's ever scaled that quickly in life or the quick turning of a door and all of a sudden you are now POTUS and that's a pretty big move. There's, this is how the story begins. There's, there's an epic launch into this story. Well, when you open up the Bible, there's an epic launch that takes us pretty deep into, I mean, even just the first sentence in the beginning God created. There's just so much right here in this moment. And so as we go through here, we want to see what was the purpose and the passion and the power of God as he started moving through setting up creation. And then what happened at the fall whenever man was separated from God. And then as the storyline continues, there is this king who is coming back for a bride And there's this damsel in distress, it's us, it's the church, that he is fighting this battle to win our hearts, to kiss our hearts alive back toward him again. And how does all of those things happen? We're going to dive into that a little bit more as we unpack this. So the first question I ask is, why did God create us? What's the why? So in the beginning, the Bible has these words that God 
created. So God has created himself, uh, or has revealed himself as an eternal, self-existing God. There was nothing outside of God that created God. God was self-sustaining. God was able to uh, create all things in and of and through himself, and he always has, and he always will be. God doesn't have a beginning date, and he doesn't have an end date. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the first. He is the last. And so here is God in heaven, the Father. Here is God in heaven, the Son. And here is God, the Holy Spirit, all in unison together, existing in no other creation other than just themselves and their being. And then they begin to move towards creation. We now, from there, begin to understand our origins in this God-centered world, in this God-centered universe. The reality of God provides for us the basis of everything else in life. So now I see that there was only God. And then when God created all things, all things are now submitted back unto the God and who created them. Law, education, Medicine, family, sex, gender, everything belongs to the God and who created them. Life owes its existence to God and must bow its knee to God and must do whatever it is that the creator of that thing says it ought to be doing. Am I wrong? I'm right. That was a trick question. Don't say, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm right. I'll ask our team that, I'll coach our team, and I'll say, is anyone confused? And they're like, yeah! I'm like, oh, geez, we got problems. <laughs> All right, we're not confused. God's the creator, and creation owes its existence back to the creator, and creation does not shake its fist at its creator. We're not, we're not cocky coming before our creator. We're not bodacious. We're not going to tell him what to do and what he ought to have done, and I could have graded his paper and told him how he could have done things differently right? We bow and we bend before this almighty creator. He's the one that kind of gives us some definition. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 14, it says this, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So this just smacks our arrogance and forces us to bend our knees. Whatever we have, God, it's it's yours. We got nothing in and of ourselves. Judah's not going to walk into our home and tell me that he owns anything inside of there. Instead, he's going to say, thank you. And he's going to have a, a different approach before the provider. Check this one out. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And so I want us to bring a humble heart before this creator and say, Jesus, I thank you that you created me with this body. At least I got one. Thank you that I got this body. Thank you, God, that you put me in this family. At least I got one. And so, God, I'm in this family. And so we're going to make the best of this thing. And so instead of being angry that we even had a shot, we're going to be grateful that we're here on the planet. You know, the, the stat of you even become a, becoming a human is 400 trillion to one. 
That's the fact that that particular sperm would find that particular egg and that they would come together 400 trillion to one. And you made it. You're here. You're a champion. You're a fast swimmer. You did it. You did what it took to get here. That's, 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 what, that's what it took. To, and, and, and God said, and I intentionally put that strand of DNA together and here you are. And so God, here I am. And so now I just want to respond with a life that's worthy of the one who gave it to me. Creation reveals we're going to have three P's today. Because I'm an ordained pastor, I rhyme. Ordained pastors do that kind of stuff. That's, that's a joke. Actually, Quakers don't even ordain their pastors. All right. <clears throat> Creation reveals God's power. The created world has been designed by God to reveal these important aspects about God's character, about about his glory. So first of all, creation reveals the power of God. Scripture reveals that God created the universe, which the, this, this Hebrew word is, is ex nihilo, okay, which means, this Latin phrase, which means out of nothing he created. So he didn't have some original matter. He didn't go into the shop class and say, well, I'll take this two by four and I've got some nuts and bolts that already existed that will put this together. Nothing existed except for the mind of God. <laughs> The self-existing one, the unmoved mover, has something that he begins to form and to fashion out of the intelligence of who he is. The power of God begins to form this. The writer of Hebrews here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, he says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's a mind blow right there. Can we just sit in this just for a second? The creator of the universe made something visible out of what was not visible. This is the kind of God that we're talking about here. Psalm 33 goes even farther to demonstrate God's power. He says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Can you imagine God as he speaks, stars are coming out of his mouth. I've had a hard time eating lately with a beard. I'm trying to figure this thing out. And food just kind of gathers in this flavor saver right here. And I've got a wipe and Alyssa's like, you got something? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, no, it's uh, right. It's just, it's just tough. Patrick, the struggle's real, man. And can you imagine God as he wipes his mouth, he's wiping stars off of his lips. He's wiping galaxies out of his beard. I mean, this is the kind of God, as he speaks these things into existence, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. What kind of a God are we dealing with here? Do not shake your fist at that God, and do not try to counsel him, church. Please just bow and bend and say, and say yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, I want to get into a line with a God like that. The prophet Isaiah, he's stunned when he looks into the galaxies and to the sky. He writes this in Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of this? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one, and he calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not a one of them is missing. 
This is a wild thought, but he knows not just galaxies, like we live in the Milky Way galaxies, and there's, and there's hundreds of thousands of galaxies, and there's billions of stars in every galaxy. And so we've got trillions and gazillions and, and unbelievable, we don't even know how big the galaxy is. We don't measure in inches or in miles, we measure in light years just to get to the other side, and he knows them by name. Think of this mind of God. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For as the heavens are above the earth, how many light years is that? That's how far his thoughts and his ways are higher than yours and mine. He's a big God. I feel so small. Anybody get in an airplane and just look down and you're like, man, there are, like life is manageable up here, right? Every little country mile, like I could just like organize this thing. This is the kind of God, he's big and he's in charge, and he shrinks our problems when we look at a really big God. And we need to properly see him in his power and the mind and the intellect of this God that we're dealing with. This God who creates matter by his mouth. He knows each of the billions of stars in the universe by name. The infinite wisdom that this God has. In the book, Thomas Dubay, he has this evidential power of the beauty. He writes this and there. Here's, here's his book. But he says that the study shows that all of the sand, if you would, if you would grab a handful of sand, it's, it's estimated there's 10,000 grains of sand in one handful. Think about how many grains of sand there are around the earth. Okay? Every continent, just go to Lake Michigan to the dunes. That's a mind blow. You're like, this is a lot of sand. And scientists say there's more stars in all of creation and all of the galaxies than there are grains of sand on the earth. This is the kind of God, and he knows every single one of them by name. Let's just say that it is all the grains of sand, and every grain of sand has a name, has an identity, and there's things going on in it. And there's these burning balls of gas, right, like we learned from Timon and Simba and whoever that was. Um, the Lion King, we learned about this. I mean, it was a great educational movie. And, and there's like identities and things and all this stuff kind of going on, and God knows that intimately. He's engaged in his creation. Next one here, creation reveals God's purpose. Is there any purpose in what God is doing here? So there's this, there's this realm of design, and it reveals the purposes of God. God's sovereign power means that he is totally unmoved Sovereign means that there's no higher power. Sticking with the Disney theme, right? Aladdin. I want to be the greatest sovereign sultan, right? Over all. Sovereign. There's nobody that's higher than him. He's unmoved outside of any constraints or influences that would force him to create something. He's totally free to choose whether he will create and what he will create. Isn't that cool? He's completely free. There's no external forces that are, that are coming in hard on God, forcing him to, to create you, forcing him to create this universe. He does it out of his own joy, out of his own pleasure and delight, the overflow of the expression of the heart of God. That all, of, all of the things that you can see is, a, is the heart graffiti of God. He just spills out creation. This is who he is. This is what he loves. This is what he's about. Every sub-Adam that he has created that you can't even see has unbelievable purpose and design 
it wasn't random chance. It wasn't a couple random rocks that just collided into each other. No, no, no. There was a lot more intelligence in the design that went behind all of these things. And God was purposeful in what he was doing. So that reveals the purpose of God. Here's something that's fun. No one was twisting God's arm. You better create something. You better create these humans. And you better create all of this industry and law and medicine. You better create all of these things. They're like, okay, okay, fine, geez, I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I guess I will. There was, there was no coercion in the heart of God. God didn't do it because he was bored. God didn't create you because he was lonely. Oh, I'm just sitting up in heaven. Man, this sure is lonely. Jeez, I'm just sitting in this big black box. Jesus, you're, you're boring. Holy Spirit, you're a snoozer. Um, I'm just bored. I need kind of something to do with like all the rest of my time, and I got a lot of it, like all of eternity. So out of boredom, I guess, I'll create something. Or because if, if, like if God has some sort of a lack, I'm lacking entertainment, so I'm just going to do something. There was zero lack in God. And so usually we find something that lacks purpose to do. We, we find something unpurposeful when we're bored. God was not bored, and he found purpose and meaning in his intentionality to create you. Is that not cool? That's cool. Sorry for the other trick question. God is cool. That's cool. There was no coercion. There was no lack. There was no boredom. There was no discontentment with the Trinity. Like, man, this is just what a terrible, lame party. I got to do something. No, because he had this, this purpose behind his creation. I think that's pretty cool. Since God chose to create the world, he wasn't coerced, but he chose. And everything and everyone in it, he did so with a, this clear purpose in mind. And so when a person creates something, they probably have a reason for it. They have a reason for what they have created. There's no confusion in heaven. Look at this picture. This is not a picture of God during creation. Which way am I going? What am I doing? What's going on? Who are you? Oh, shoot, man, this is lame. I got to get out of here. Oh, man, let's create something. Oh, that didn't work out well. That got hijacked. Let's, uh, Jesus, you got to die now. Oops. Um, no, that's not it. Even before the foundations of the earth, the Bible says, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. This master storyteller, even before he started creating, already had the game plan for Jesus to sacrifice for his bride. He's incredibly smart and intentional. And he kind of knows what's going on in your life as well. So let's just yield. God, you're good. I just want to just trust the mind of God. You've got a purpose for my life. He's not directionless, who lacks vision. He does not lack imagination. There is no schizophrenia in heaven. There is complete clarity for our creator. He's clear. He knows what he is doing. He is clear on his creation and he has purpose and passion in everything that he plants. Everything that he does, there's a purpose behind it. Which lets me know the universe is not an accident, and neither are you. Even if your parents said that you were an accident, even if they said that you were the oops baby, even if they kind of made a joke about it, God was not joking. God was tremendously intentional. Even if a pregnancy came out of out of abuse or rape or some sort of unbelievable hardship, God is unbelievably smart. Even in those broken and moments, God is still working 
and bringing life out of those things. He's good. God does not do things on accident. He's not, he's not losing his mind. God is an unbelievably clear, and he's purposeful with everything that goes. Not that God is intentional in creating evil, but he uses all things to come back for the glory of God and for the goodness of his bride. He's intentional, and he's created your life, and it was not an accident. And there is a purpose, and there is a plan, and there is goodness, goodness and mercy that will follow after you all the days of your life. This explains our ability to discern God's order. It's incredibly orderly. I mean, science speaks to the order of creation. Things are not just falling out of, off of the earth, and things are not just you know, weird things. It's unbelievably ordered. They're, they're, they're math works, science works. There's line upon line, unbelievable intelligence in how God has created. The psalmist says this in Psalm 19 too. He says, day after day, they, or the heavens, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they're telling us what they know. Or they're displaying their knowledge. They're putting on display the glory of God. Say, look! Romans 1 says, there's no one who will be without excuse. When we stand before the Lord, just open your eyes and see all of the glory of creation. It will speak to a creator who was purposeful in creating you. Whew. This is the kind of God that we're dealing with here. And he goes, just look at the stars. They're screaming the glory of God. They're crying out. The rocks are crying out even. Look, this speaks to something greater than ourselves. It's a big deal. The universe is specifically designed to fulfill God's purpose in creating it. And it's just to be on display. Here's what I'm here for, and it's just to shine, and it's to point to something much greater. You're specifically designed for a God-ordained purpose. Even as creation, it just does what it's supposed to do. You, church, bride, Christian, do what you've been created to do because there's meaning and there's purpose. And the final P, we've just pee-peed all over this thing. We got one more. We had to come up for a little breath of air. Are we okay? God likes you. He likes you, man. It reveals God's passion. In addition to just revealing his power, his purpose, creation, it establishes from the jump God's passion. What's going on inside of the heart of God? So we got his mind. We got his biceps. We understand the power to pull this thing off. We understand how smart he is, but what's the heart behind it? What's the passion of God? The created realm, it reveals what God prizes most, namely, not people, check yourself, namely, displaying his glory. <laughs> God's like, hey guys, Jesus, Holy Spirit, like we're like just hanging out here together, but let's put this thing on display. Because who we are should not be kept a secret, but it needs to be worshipped. It needs to have all of creation bow and bend before it so it gets even more maximum glory out of it. God's passion is the displaying of his glory. He loves it. He's jealous for it, and he wants to be worshipped for it. Because can I tell you this? The best thing for you 
is to worship God. And he knows how he intricately built you and designed your brain and your heart. And he goes, really good things happen whenever you connect to me. And when you worship me, And there's just this heart flow and there's this life source. So I want you to get maximum life experience. And it's when you know who I am and you worship that God. So I'm going to put a display. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll out. I'm going to snap that red carpet for you. And you're going to see who I am. So God passion is to display his own glory. John Piper says it this way, God is infinitely devoted to the preservation and the display and the enjoyment of his own glory, which is the beauty of his manifold perfections. God is committed to God. God loves God more than Kanye loves Kanye. He's committed to himself. He's all in on himself. He is all about it. And you've got to realize that if God would prize anything in his own heart greater than God, it would be idolatry. Is that crazy? That God doesn't love people more than anything. God doesn't love his church more than anything. God doesn't love whatever. God loves his glory more than anything. The, the preeminence is the glory of God. And because he loves the display of his glory, we get the byproduct of that, that he's going to lay his life down to redeem creation. Check this out. You know the salvation verse that says John 3, 16? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believed in him would not perish, have everlasting life. The word creation, for God so loved the world, it means cosmos. For God so loved all of the cosmos. It's a little bit bigger than you. It's a little bit bigger than me. It's a little bit bigger than what, what that, that flannel graph Jesus in Sunday school. For God so loved all of creation that he sent his son to redeem back creation. And those that are the created ones respond with a heart. So whoever would believe that, they wouldn't perish because all things are going to go, right? And he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, but they won't perish. He's going to save them for himself. But they'll have everlasting life with him in a new heaven and a new earth. It's more than salvation. He's going to redeem creation. Everything that he's created, he's going to redeem it. You need to have some passion about that because he does. And our hearts need to connect with what God cares for. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like. And so what do I, I want to be like Christ. Christ, what are you like? I have a passion for my glory. I have a passion for creation. Come on, man. Let's redeem this thing. Okay, I want to match my energy levels there. I want to go there, man. I want to get my energy. I want to get my focus, my attention. It needs to move the needle of my heart. Okay? More than the game, more than that show, more than that ice cream, whatever those things that move the heart, it needs to be the displaying of the glory of God and us bending and bowing before that. It's clear, people, in all of Scripture, that God loves displaying his glory. And creation exists for the glory of God. Check this out. David writes in Psalms 19. He talks about how God displays his glory. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. All of creation is screaming about who this God is. So church, we're created in God's image. And we're created in his likeness. The God that I've been talking about, you were created to be like him. 
to have a mind like God, to feel and to be moved like God. You were created in his likeness. We're called to be like God. There's a psalm that says that you were created um, a little lower than Elohim. And some translations have said that you've been created a little bit lower than the angels. That's not an accurate translation. Elohim means God. You've been created a little lower than God. <laughs> Let's get an identity wrapped around. This is the God that we're talking about. And you're, you're, you're created like him. You're lower than him. Let's not think of ourselves more highly than, he, than we ought. But let's think of ourselves as highly as we ought. That we were created to be like this kind of a God. To move and to live and to create and use our minds and, and work and design. And get up and get after it. Not to check out and have somebody else take care of us. No, God's the provider. He shows up. He's getting up. He's getting after it. He's intentional. He's designing. He's creating. He's displaying. Right? And that's who we are, church, to be big. Let's not play small. Let's play big. Creation's kind of big. <laughs> and he set it up to display the glory of God. Church, I want us to play big, to display the glory of God in our community, to just do more than church attendance, but let's make a splash in God's creation. This is the king and his kingdom, and let's have some fun in this kingdom right? So God, what do you got me here for? How can I find purpose in your purposeful creation? And I just want to display your glory the whole time that I'm here. That's partnering with the heart of God. Mm. We're created for his glory and for his pleasure. Isaiah 43, 7. We're created for him, from him, through him, and back to him for his purpose and for his pleasure. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says that so, so it's our duty as a creation to live for the glory of the creator, okay? Like there's, there's, it says that the, that the pot will not tell the potter what it should be doing. Like some pots were made for higher glory, some were made for lower, lower glory, but the cup doesn't tell the, the potter like, man, you ripped me off. No, no, no. We're just thankful that we got some, some lumps of clay put together, right? So we yield and we just honor the Lord and whatever that he's given us. The apostle Paul, he writes this, whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When you're waking up, you're taking a shower, when you're going to church, when you're going to work, when you're opening the car door, when you're closing the car door, whatever you're doing, man, be God-centered on that thing and do it all, all things for the glory of God. The Apostle John, he speaks of these 24 elders in heaven that are falling down before God's throne. This is Isaiah. Um, I'm sorry, this is Revelation 4.11. This is the 4.11 of Revelation. That was funny. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. They were created from him, for him, back to him forever. So we exist for a purpose. It's not an accident to display the glory of God. God did not create the universe out of some lack or out of some need, but he created it with a purpose. John Piper says it this way. John Piper says that basically creation is the glory of God gone public. <laughs> and so he says it this way, all of his works are simply the spillover 
of his infinite exuberance for his own excellence. Let me break this down. Exuberance, he's got a lot of energy. Excellence, he's really good. So he's got a lot of energy, a lot of passion about how amazing he is, and all of that spills over in creation, and it displays the beauty of the Lord. That's creation. God's exuberance for his own excellence. Hmm. Finally, we'll end this here. God's glory demands a human response. God's creation demands that creation respond back to its creator. So it's not enough just to understand this. Okay, cool teaching. I understand it in my mind. That's not enough. It's not enough to just know that Jesus existed. Okay, I know that he exists. We got to do something with Jesus, right? It's not enough just to read my Bible. Okay, I read it. No, we got to do something with that. So we understand our eyes have, been, have seen. We've been enlightened to the glory of God. Now creation has to respond to its creator. We've got to delight in the glory of this creator. Jonathan Edwards, he captures the essence of this principle. Jonathan Edwards says this, God is glorified not only in his glory being seen, but by its being rejoiced in. When those that see it delight in it, God is more glorified than if they only see it. God made the world that he might communicate and the creature receive his glory. It's not enough just for us to see the glory of God. We need to delight in the glory of God. It's not enough for us to just know that Jesus existed. What we need to do is come in here and with hearts that are on fire, excuse me, with hearts that are ablaze and on fire with the glory of God. Yes, God, this is the God who created me and I owe all things to you. I owe nothing to the neighbor sitting beside me, so I will actually raise my hands because I do not care. I'm all locked in. He demands a human response to his glory. And it can't be a bored, disconnected response. It's got to match the passion of God saying, God, I'm going to partner with you on this thing and you're unbelievably amazing. Mm. God is not glorified in you knowing about him. God is glorified in you delighting in him. God is glorified in you taking joy in him. And God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And when our hearts come to worship this sort of a God, this is the beautiful marriage of the creator and creation coming back together displaying the goodness, the fullness of the glory of God. That's worship. Finally, in the, saint, in the words of St. Augustine, he said this, Thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. God designed you for him, and he wants all of you. And he did not do it on accident. He had power, his breath, his mind. He spoke, and light came traveling out of his mouth. His mind is unbelievably smart. He's got purpose for all the things that he's done. 
And so we want to get on board with this kind of a creator. This is going to be a fun series. Anybody think so? That wasn't a trick question. I just really wanted to know. <laughs> Creation is amazing. And you have been created by one who wants to display his glory in your life. Church family, would you all stand with me this morning? We'll close. For the families that we had a child dedication, if you would, just hang out down here afterwards, and we want to get a picture with parents and grandparents and cousins and that weird uncle. Um, we'll even do that guy, too. Let's pray, church. Jesus, thank you that you were mindful of us. And who am I that you be mindful of me? And yet, Lord, you are. And so, Father, I just pray that this would be a church that bows and bends before you. That you would just uproot any cockiness or, or a spirit that would push against your wisdom. Lord, I pray that this would be a humble home, a humble house, and also a house that's full of passion for the exuberance of your excellence. God, we pray that this would be a house of praise, a house of worship, where we see you as you truly are, the maker of heaven and earth, and that would we, we would give you a worship and a praise that is worthy of your name. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.